everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to What Women Must Know. Thank you for joining me because, as always, I have a wonderful guest in store for you today. And as you know, if you've been listening for a while, my my kind of theme song for this program is to empower you with truthful information so you can make informed decisions. And uh, that's really important these days. The important part is getting as informed as possible. (laughs) And the other important part is making the most informed decisions possible as well. So on this program, I have some very profoundly aware and educated, successful people sharing their experiences, uh, their journeys, and their wisdom. And it's just great to be able to have you here again and be part of this ongoing community that is committed to growing and healing and learning. I certainly want to welcome anyone who is listening for the first time. And if you'd like to get the archive shows or if you'd just like to see what I'm doing on my Facebook page, go over to What Women Must Know, Women Must Know, and just like me there. I certainly publish both of my podcasts because I have a second podcast on Progressive Radio Network, which is The Love Code, every Saturday at uh, 11 a.m., and that is my spiritual show. So that's truly inspirational, and I hope you'll be joining and listening into The Love Code as well as to What Women Must Know. Okay, I think I've done all of the housekeeping I need to do for the moment, and we're going to be continuing on with the conversations that I've been having for this month of October, which I call Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So it is about getting educated and aware and empowered and having knowledge whether you are wanting to stay healthy, keep yourself healthy, or whether you have had a diagnosis and want to be more knowledgeable as you go through the healing process that you choose, and then, of course, be able to support your health for the long term. So uh, this week, I have had a wonderful guest, Cindy Scott, and we're going to be talking about her journey and how breast cancer saved my life, which is the topic of Cindy's conversation today. And uh, here's a little introduction for you of Cindy. Cindy is an author, speaker, coach, and creator passionate about women's empowerment, leadership, resilience, emotional intelligence, and well-being. She is a multi-passionate entrepreneur utilizing her unique blend of talents and experience to empower women to see their potential, navigate life's major transitions, and take proactive steps to living a vibrant, beautiful, purposeful life. Cindy is the founder and CEO of Evolving Women Company, a platform for women who are experiencing change and uncertainty and seeking sanctuary to take pause, to breathe, skill up, and flourish. Cindy has experienced two diagnoses of breast cancer, and she is the author of the healing journal, The Gift of Cancer. It is a divine guidebook born amidst 
her darkest hours undergoing treatment for breast cancer. She is the creator of the Healing Journey Program, an online support program for women navigating a cancer journey. So this is such a wonderful opportunity to have this conversation with Cindy, and uh, I want to welcome Cindy to What Women Must Know. So Cindy, hello, and it's great having you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to our conversation. Well, I look forward to our conversation, too, because you've had quite a journey and, uh, wow, a lot to, lot to navigate, a lot to learn, to bring you to the other side. So I always, I always invite my guests to share their own personal journey and what, you know, what happens in your life that you think uh, contributed to this experience and, and, you know, the insights you've gained along the way. So I know that's a lot, <laughs> but let's start there and see where <laughs> yep. it takes us. <laughs> okay. Well, starting with, as you, as you said in your introduction, I've had breast cancer twice, and I know this month is a significant month for women around the globe who have had breast cancer or um, may in future um, because breast cancer affects one in seven women. So unfortunately, the stats are not very favorable for us. And I guess that's something that um, is near and dear to my heart, having walked the path twice, that I would love um, anyone listening to your show that, you know, if we could change a mindset and we could actually get people focused more on prevention, um, that we might be able to uh, prevent some people from actually getting breast cancer in the first place. So that is my aim. Um, a little bit about my story. So I was um, first diagnosed with uh, breast cancer in 2016. Um, I had a lumpectomy shortly following my diagnosis, so I went completely into shock, never having had anything wrong with me in my life, never even set foot in a hospital and I was like, my gosh, you know, I've got to go under the knife. And then there was complications with my surgery, so I had to go back in the next week. Um, so that was a real um, upheaval to my life. And I was still probably in shock months later that I was grappling with a diagnosis and, you know, the surgery and the scars that I was left with. Um, I was a single mum at the time, so I felt an immense sense of responsibility to make sure that I continued working in my business, to make sure that we had a roof over our head and food on the table. Um, and so ultimately I ended up refusing um, some of the uh, treatment options that the uh, breast surgeon had suggested for me and sort of went my own path and thought, no, I haven't got time for this. You know, I've just got to get back to work really struggled to actually make myself a priority in the journey. Um, looking back now, I think, like, how horrific was that that I couldn't do that or didn't feel that I could do that at the time? Um, but that was my reality at the time. I just felt this immense sense of responsibility, and I thought, well, if it's, you know, if it's going to get done, it has to be me that, that does it. So then fast forward um, nearly five years to 2020, and it was the start of um, the COVID pandemic across the globe. I was six weeks out from getting married, and I was ticking all those things off my list before our weddings. We had people flying in from around the world for our wedding, and one of those things was getting my routine ultrasound and mammogram, which I do every year without fail. And 
um, the sonographer, it was my first male sonographer, he said, um, Cindy, you've got a lump. And I'm like, no, no way. I can't possibly have a lump. Like, that just isn't happening. This is not the right time. There's never a good time. But um, I certainly couldn't believe that that was um, my reality. And sure enough, we had the lump tested and was diagnosed with a more aggressive cancer um, that was not only in my breast but also in my lymph nodes in my armpit. So... That required surgery and immediate chemotherapy as well. So the second diagnosis was a far more serious diagnosis. Um, Fortunately, I was in a very different situation in my personal life at that time. So I was engaged. Um, I had a beautiful man in my life. I have a beautiful man in my life. I shouldn't say past tense. (laughs) And um, yeah, so he basically just said, look, Cindy, take the time you need to um, get the treatment, to heal. So he actually gave me permission to take time off work and really give um, priority to my treatment. And I'll be forever grateful for that because I think that was such a shift in mindset and a shift in approach that I took the second time around. Unfortunately, I was in a position that I was able to do that. So, yeah, that was the two. And I guess for me what I feel is unique about my story, I mean, yes, I've had two diagnoses and and treatment journeys, but it was also the way that I chose to handle both. I mean, the first time through I was a deer in headlights. I probably did all the the classic wrong things, you know, sweep the diagnosis under the carpet, um, refuse treatment, kind of really in denial that I even had cancer. I just didn't want to – I didn't want to take time out for it. So the second time through – how I handled it differently was instead of being angry that it had shown up again or to try and conquer it or crush it or F it like so many people seem to want to, I didn't think my pathway to health and well-being was actually through anger, you know, with raised cortisol levels and actually having sort of angry sort of energy zipping through my body did not feel like my pathway to health. And so I chose to meet my cancer with with love and with compassion and curiosity about why has this shown up for me again. So I think that my approach the second time around was um, a very unique approach. I don't think a lot of people take it that way, which is why I've deliberately called my book The Healing Journey, The Gift of Cancer, because I think if we can see adversity as a gift and we can lean into those opportunities um, we can actually find that there's a lot of gold nuggets there for us. Wow, what a story. So a, a couple of questions, if I may. So um, mm-hmm. you were how old with the first diagnosis? I was 44 and then 49. Yeah. So it's so interesting and because in, – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say my mom was also diagnosed. She's had breast cancer twice as well, and her first diagnosis was at 44 as well. So I thought that was rather fascinating. That is <laughs> that that is definitely fascinating. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's not that common for um, for a woman to you know get a second diagnosis, have a second round, so to speak, with breast cancer, and the fact that your mother did and you did, that's interesting. That's a whole other subject. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Yes. <laughs> but um, um, when, so so I just want to say um, that, you know, in my research when I was writing my book, it was brought 
to my attention uh, at the time, and this was, you know, a decade or more ago, that breast cancer used to be a uh, a condition that occurred in women in 50 and older. So usually it was the older women that mm-hmm. were diagnosed. You know, it's more time to, you know, deal with life and its stresses and toxicity and, you know, just life, right? And then um, the mm-hmm. trend now, and, well, the trend for a while, has been um, trending down. More and more younger women are being diagnosed. And, you know, Cindy, I, I wrote a book. After my first book, Hormone Heresy, I wrote a sequel called uh, Mothers Protect Your Daughters from Breast Cancer. And um, that came out of all the research, ongoing research, and the people that I had met as I was touring around the country who were um, telling me their stories of breast cancer, and many of them were women in their 20s and 30s. And as I looked into Mm -hmm. this, that, that age limit kept getting lower and lower. So now, sadly, sadly, you know, women in their 40s and, like I said, 30s, and in rare cases, but still occurring, 20-year-olds are being diagnosed with breast cancer. So, you know, there's, there's this worrying trend because the, the younger you're diagnosed, the more aggressive the cancer can be and the worse the prognosis, which is the big concern right. in women, the younger women, mm-hmm. right? So um, yes. let's go back to that, that first experience. And what did sound like you were in a bit of denial. <laughs> you know, oh, yes, you totally. <laughs> you know, but what do you think, I'm sure you pondered this, what do you think was going on, you know, the previous two, three, five years? Because it does take, you know, really a long time for breast cancer to develop, some say up to eight years before it shows up as an observable mass. What what have you learned about that first time, the episode, that, that period of your life? Have you, have you had any yeah. thoughts about that? Oh, absolutely. I've done an immense uh, amount of reflection and research and journaling to really dive deep within myself and and explore sort of root causes. But um, a lady said to me a while ago, she said, um, what happened in your life 15 years prior to your diagnosis? And I was like, wow, that was the year that my marriage ended. Um, and I went through a significant, I would say, like, you know, trauma with a capital T. It was a, a really traumatic time in my life going through a marriage breakup, being in a different country from my family, um, and just the, the actual process of um, separation and divorce was really untidy. So I know I was carrying a lot of anger and a lot of bitterness um, toward him. I hadn't done a lot of work around forgiveness and and making peace with that. Um, So that was what really came up for me um, during my first diagnosis was really around, hmm, I'm carrying a lot of pent-up emotion, and I do believe there is a strong connection between uh, emotions being trapped in the body and how they make manifest in a physical way. So for me, you know, I, I speak for myself. I don't speak for anyone else, but I do feel 
that was probably um, at a very core what was going on for me. I was carrying so much responsibility and and bitterness and anger towards him. Um, so yeah, I was carrying that each and every day. Well, you know, thanks for sharing that. Uh, you know, there is um, an understanding from traditional Chinese medicine, and I, I read this um, book by a traditional Chinese medicine master, and it was so profound because he under, he was explaining that there are meridians that run through the breast, and depending on where the stresses, the imbalance, which relate to different organs, that there is, you know, it's an indication of, of where the where the imbalance is. And, and of course, with traditional Chinese medicine, it's not just understanding where a system or an organ is dysfunctional. Every system and organ is associated with an emotion. So, mm-hmm. as you're talking, I'm just, I'm just you know, surmising here, but if you're dealing with a lot of unresolved, in your case, anger, that's the uh, emotion of the liver. And the mm-hmm. liver is really, so, so it's like you're compromising the the energy of the liver's ability to do its job properly. It's, it's like limping along. And one of the jobs of the mm. liver is about proper detoxification of all the estrogenic chemicals and hormones in our body. And in my research, what happens is that if the liver is dysfunctional, if it's sluggish, if it's overworked, you know, for whatever reason, there are lots of ways to try to define it, but it just can't do the job, it actually can turn all these chemicals that it's supposed to inactivate, all these estrogenic-like chemicals, even our own hormones that it's supposed to deactivate, it actually makes them a more potent, a more potent form of estrogen. Because it's not estrogen that's our enemy, it's when we create a, a very toxic free radical form of estrogen that it can lead to the uh, development of cancers. So I, I'm, you know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. out loud because I, things don't just happen to us. You know, things don't just, it's not no. like bad luck, right? As you no. have done in your journey of going back and, uh, you know, uncovering the, the areas that you didn't want to look at back then and, and do the healing work, that's essential. That's essential for permanent, permanent resolution of the manifestation of this imbalance. Definitely. That that really what about the second time? Sarah? What about the second time? Well, I would just say, yeah, like, I think really I'm looking at layers, you know, and like, so the first time through taught me around healing the anger and the bitterness and, and forgiving. The second time through, I would say, is almost the flip side. So, for example, the first time through was an outward projection of my anger and my bitterness. But the flip side of that is not actually nourishing yourself, not actually loving yourself. When your focus is on somebody else external to you, your your energy is 
devoted outward. Whereas I know for me, um, one of the things Louise Haynes, I think she's just the most, you know, has been the most amazing woman and such a pioneer in her space. She talks about breast cancer being uh, an inability to self-nourish. And I think that was definitely the case for me. And that was what came up for me in my second time through with breast cancer was an inability to make myself a priority. Like I needed my husband to actually give me permission to put me first. Like it just sounds absolutely ridiculous, I'm sure, to anyone outside of me. But when you're such an overgiver and an under-receiver, it's so much easier to make sure everybody else is okay and overlook your own needs. And so that is probably one of the key learnings I took through my second time um, through was to really love myself and to put myself first and make myself a priority. You know, there's a, a beautiful quote that says, um, you are the most important project you'll ever work on. And I, I took that on board and I thought, right, I'm going to put myself first and I'm going to shine the light on me and I'm going to do all the complementary therapies I can do to support my journey. I'm going to journal. I'm going to work with a therapist. Um, you know, I'm going to throw everything at it to 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 get through this in a really calm, loving, compassionate, nurturing way. And I did. I did that. Well, you know, that's really the uh, most profound uh, aspect of having a diagnosis of anything, of anything. You know, for me Mm -hmm. as a naturopathic doctor and also – a psychotherapist for many years. So the combination of the ability to have these different facets of understanding a process or a journey that someone is on, and when you have a diagnosis, part of the journey um, that we encounter, uh, what is absolutely essential for anything, you have to address the physical, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual dimension of yourself. There is something that's out of alignment. And it's not one or another. And, you know, it's not just relying on, if you choose, chemotherapy or radiation to do the job. That's, you know, (laughs) I'm using my favorite thing again. It's just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You're not getting the message (laughs) from which this thing, you know, sprouted from, so to speak, right? I agree. I think the big C actually stands for the big change. And I think cancer or any adversity that we face is an opportunity to go, hang on a sec, something's out of balance, something's out of alignment, what do I need to tweak? And for me, there was a lot of things, you know. It was a real shift in lifestyle choices for me. Um, I wanted to throw everything at it to make sure that I recovered well and that I lead a healthy, vibrant life going forward. That that was my measure. That was what I wanted. Um, so, you know, some people can go through the journey and just sort of put their blinkers on and go, well, I'll just do what I need to do to get through this treatment. But I wanted to throw everything at it and heal body, mind, and soul. I wanted I wanted the full matzo. <laughs> yeah, right. So what what were all those things you threw at this process of this journey you were in? Well, one Let's of the things that I've the um, that you did. Yeah. Yeah. So I've 
I've unpacked this. So I, I, the way that I talk about healing is um, a four-quadrant healing model. So traditional Western medicine looks at the physical quadrant. You know, let's just look at the body and let's get those cells out of your body. Um, but then I looked at, well, hang on, I've got a mind, you know, my thoughts, the psychology of the journey I'm going through. And I had a lot of anxiety as I was going through treatment. So there's the psychological aspect, then there's the emotional aspect. There's such an upheaval around how I'm feeling, how I'm experiencing this journey. And then we've got the spiritual level as well. And I think when we go through anything that is tumultuous, such as a journey with cancer, it can't help but change us. You know, I think your self-concept, your identity of who you are and what you want to do in the world and what you value um, become a lot clearer when you go through something that really upsets the apple cart. So in answer to your question, Cheryl, I, I did lots of things in each of those quadrants. So I trusted that the doctors had the physical side of things in hand, but I looked at the psychological, the emotional, and the spiritual side of things. So, for example, things like I worked with a therapist, I journaled nearly every day. I meditated twice a day to really try and calm my mind. I tend to have a monkey mind anyway. That's typically who I am. But I um, did everything I could to try and calm the farm. I wanted to calm my nerves, calm my mindset. I also looked at a ton of different complementary therapies. Um, I did everything that I could find and afford going through um, treatment, so anything that would support uh, and complement what I was doing with my chemotherapy and surgeries. Um, my oncologist wasn't very happy about some of those things, but I thought, well, at the end of the day, it's my body and I'm the one that needs to live in it beyond treatment. So um, I did what I felt intuitively was right for me. I was also very open to um, being cracked open, so to speak, in terms of my spiritual evolution. And I really saw my second journey through as an awakening of sorts. And um, I really wanted to grow my soul. I wanted to become a better version of me. I wanted to live a life more on purpose on the other side of treatment. And, yeah, I think if you have that mindset that, okay, cancer's shown up, and if I can see it as a gift and I can lean into it and get the learnings, I can mine the gold, um, I think there's many riches there for people. Um, we, we, we have to go through these adversities curious and exploring and wanting to learn and grow from them rather than be afraid of them and run from them. So that's what I learned the second time through, to lean in. And I think that it's such a beautiful metaphor for life in general. I think the more we can lean into the icky, uncomfortable bits, the better off we are. Because there's such learning and growth opportunity there for us. You know, as I listen to your stories, it's like you had, this came around the first time. It did offer you an opportunity to use it as a vehicle for this transformation, which you were too busy to do. <laughs> or, or not? Yes. I don't know. You know, didn't it wasn't lo knocking loud enough on your door, and uh, so it came around. You created this this experience again, but this time you really, I, I guess you can say, were ready to receive the the opportunity that it presented. Even though it's, I know it may sound strange to 
people listening, but it really is a wake-up call. Sounds like this, you know, the second diagnosis was when you really chose to use this experience for the greatest healing, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually possible. Absolutely. The the other thing, too, that I um, discovered along the way, so in my first uh, run through, I I actually self-isolated. I, I retreated from the world. I didn't share my journey with many people, and I didn't actually, therefore, get a lot of support. And so when I was going through the second time, my, my fiancé at the time, who's now my husband, he said to me, Cindy, you have so many people around you that love you. Why don't you let them help you? Why don't you let them support you? And so for me, vulnerability has always been a big thing. Like I, I've always thought vulnerability was weakness. And so for me to actually open myself up and let people see me fall apart and let them know how I was truly feeling, let them see me bald and feeling ugly was really, really challenging. But that was the challenge that I took on in my second time through. And the result, the response that I got was phenomenal. By me opening up and being vulnerable, I got so much support. It was unbelievable. So I don't think we can heal in isolation. I think we heal in connection to others, to to other people or to nature, to Mother Earth. I think we need to do that in a sense of a community rather than in isolation. So that was another really big takeaway was opening myself up and, and truly being seen as I fell apart. And that's been a massive journey for me, um, being a high-achieving, you know, self-independent, reliant kind of person, to actually let other people in on the journey was was challenging. I'm sure it was because that is something that is very terrifying to let people in, which is the whole intimacy side of things. And as you're talking, yeah. it just really brings back the, um, the understanding that the there's a there's a pattern, that, you know. Generally speaking, there's a pattern in women who are diagnosed, and it's just that personality. I can do it. I don't want to share. I don't. I, I don't want to be vulnerable. I'm the you know the caregiver, the caretaker, uh, looking after everyone else. But I, I don't. No time for me. Uh, it's not necessary or it's not important. And it's that whole woundedness that women carry if we are, are we don't understand our true value and therefore we're always trying to, to earn it and never allowing ourselves to receive. It's such, so, uh, I just can't begin to even express how immense that wound is, right? That wound is huge. And that, what you, you just described, Cheryl, yeah, well, I'm, I think I'm a classic, you know, what they call the breast cancer persona, you know, that type of woman who is accustomed to being a high achiever and overgiving and not actually taking time to receive is your classic persona of a woman who is the perfect candidate for breast cancer or other types of cancers, but particularly breast cancer where we have an inability to nourish self and make sure that our needs are met. Um, I'm, I was a classic, and one of the things I talk about in, in my book is that 
I was always okay to make sure everyone else was okay, but to put myself first was in, like near impossible. It was easier for me to get my car serviced than to make sure I had treatment for cancer. You know, and I don't know where that comes from in terms of the conditioning as women where we make sure the children, the husband, the greater family, our friends, everybody else is okay. But to put ourselves first and actually get the treatment that we need is like, oh, no, that, that's a lower priority. So we need to shift that. Yes, and, you know, that you can go really deep with understanding that behavior because it's a <clears throat> programming of our culture, which goes way back, way back, you know, where yes. women were not um, valued and therefore they didn't value themselves and we carry that part of the wound that we carry, and I mean, I can see it in my ancestry on my mother's side, all these wounded women who never got loved, and they just became hard and, you know, and um, self-reliant, but shut down. Yes. And, and, and I yep. think that, you know, when we talk about any, any, um, any illness, any, any illness, we have to always, well, for me, all I can say is, for me, it's always in the context of it's a message from my soul. There is something that I need to address, to heal, to transform, to awaken to that has put my energies in my body in such disarray, such chaos that it can't function anymore. And that is really where the true healing and the true gift of a diagnosis is. It's, you know, those that, that as you said, especially the, the, the second time, you embraced the process you found yourself in, and at that point was aware enough and mature enough to say, I, I'm going to learn everything I need to learn and to heal and address whatever I need to address uh, to, to not only heal the body, but heal me. Spot on. You you say it so beautifully. I um I was working with um this body worker and she's this is the most amazing woman and I had already been working with her prior to my diagnosis the second time, and I was laying on her bed um, one day there for a treatment just shortly after my diagnosis and I burst into tears and shared with her what what had happened, and in her classic style she said to me your soul will be getting something that it wants here. That was that was her level of compassion was like, hmm, I wonder what your soul is communicating with you. So just as you're saying, it was a message from my soul. And I was immediately, this thought bubble came up from within me somewhere and it said, you're finally getting a rest. I was yeah. so exhausted. I had been pushing all the way through life, doing everything on my own, you know, having that tough exterior and and soldiering on, being self-reliant and doing it all my way and my on my timeline. And I was absolutely exhausted in life. So to your point, it was a message from my soul. I was absolutely stuffed. I really needed a break. And in a way, it was like I'd manifested this perfect opportunity to stop. You know, like I had to go to that extreme to say, all right, I need to shut my business down for a while. I need to give some focus to my own health and well-being. 
um, you know, crazy that it needed to be that extreme. But um, it was definitely, I would say, a message from my soul to stop, to make some changes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Your soul's going to do whatever is required to get you (laughs) to wake up. Get my attention. Yes, well, you got it. Loud and clear. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) so, yes. So, so, you know, that's such an important piece of this conversation, indeed, because you you, uh, truly, if you have a diagnosis, again, of anything, it doesn't matter what it is, it's like whatever you've been doing has gotten you to where you are. (laughs) You know, it's like if you want your life to change, you have to change everything in some degree or other because it's everything that you've been doing that brought this into your experience, right? So it's change time. And I I think that's such a a powerful message for us to be sharing in this conversation because if you go to the traditional, you know, oncology path, they will say, this is all that you have to do. You do this chemotherapy, maybe or maybe not followed up with radiation, and then you're good to go. And it's a very rare person, and maybe they're doing more of it these days, that will offer greater wisdom of the the real healing journey that this is, um, you know, an indication of. So many women... Yes don't have that uh, guidance and so and they don't not aware of it or whatever and they just go to have the treatment and then they just keep their fingers crossed that it's all good to go after that and they get back to the same way they were doing their life before yeah and i'm finding more and more people around in my circle are coming back for a second diagnosis like it is becoming more and more common so you know they they go wow. through and they do all the things that the oncologist recommends and then you know hit with a second diagnosis it's like well what's happened here you know what more do i need to do to to fully heal you know clearly the medical system is not addressing the problem in, in its entirety to um you know all, for all these people that are coming back for a second time and a third time well I didn't I didn't know that that is a trend happening. But yeah, I know that's yeah that world you're in because you do your programs. Yeah, that's just so sad, right? It's so sad because it's like, oh my god, you gotta go through the trauma again. Yes. And it is a trauma. I would describe, you know, a diagnosis and treatment for cancer is a trauma with a capital T. Not a little T, but a big T. Yeah. 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 So in your research with cancer these days, uh what what is the actual prognosis for most women who have a di you know, of a diagnosis of cancer? What's the prognosis? Is you know, anyone who is diagnosed with cancer is totally freaked out. I would say most people. That word is terrifying. Um but no. it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be your demise. What? So what is the prognosis? Do you know? Um, it absolutely depends on the type of cancer, and I, I certainly don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer to the question because it depends. I mean, just with breast cancer alone, there's six different types. 
It depends on your age and your lifestyle and the um, diagnosis. But for me personally, I was very, very fortunate that I had a, I think it was a 91% likelihood of survival um, if I did all the things. Um, so I felt even going through, like, yes, it rattled my cage and I was in shock for a fair while, but I also had uh, an inner confidence that I was going to get through this and I was going to be one of the 91%. Um, and that's why I was throwing everything at it as well, in addition to what my oncologist and breast surgeon recommended, because I thought, I don't want to walk this path again. Um, so, yeah, look, I think every person walking this path, they would probably have different diagnoses and different lifestyle choices and different ways that they approach their treatment. So I don't think there's a real cut and dried way to answer that question. I think, I think the most important thing is that, um, it, it, you know, it's curable. You know, people are willing. It, it isn't a death sentence is what I want to say, you know, which is correct. Yes. In all honesty, because most people are not prepared in any way, shape, or form when a diagnosis occurs. No one's expecting to have a diagnosis of breast cancer. And like you said, the first time you were, you know, going along your life, everything seemed fine, and that this can't be me. So there's no, there's no, there's no way to really put your resources in place that you know where to go and what to do, suddenly you're on a very steep learning curve. Spot on. Yeah. And there's not a lot of support out there, which is why I wrote my book and created the online support program for women who are ready to lean in, for women who really want to focus on the other three quadrants that the medical system often overlooks and or doesn't even really give credence to. Um, you know, there is so much more that we can do to complement and support the healing journey, to really, um, you know, to explore ways that we can grow and heal all parts of ourselves rather than just the physical. So, yeah, the healing journey program is definitely um, for those type of people that are ready for that. Well, this is a good time. Why don't you talk about your book, your journal? and your program a little bit more so women who are listening okay. can know that this is a wonderful resource that you have available for them. Yeah, on you know, the book my book is called The Healing Journal and it's been out just over twelve months now and I can still look at it and get tingles. Like I'm I'm still so very proud of the book, um, how it's turned out. It's a beautiful um, colored book, so it's over 400 pages. It is a journal. There's 12 chapters, um, which each chapter journeys a little bit through my personal experience. So I'm, you know, practicing my vulnerability in the book and sharing some of my journey. There's mindfulness practices to really help down-regulate your nervous system throughout the book, so each chapter has some unique practices. There's some journaling prompts to really help dive deeper within yourself to um, activate that inner healing. And there's some journaling pages in there for you to, to make it your own special testament of your journey. Um, I guess the, the thinking for the book in the first place was that my mum has had breast cancer twice, but it was quite a number of years ago, I think like 25 years ago. So she had nothing to really pay forward to me. I wanted to know more about her experience and she hadn't journaled through that time. 
So it is a testament that can be so therapeutic and healing for yourself, but something that can be passed down as well. So I created the book to help, I guess, in a way, pay it forward to women um, that come after me that um, are diagnosed with breast cancer or any other type of cancer. Um, And it is such, um, you know, it's so heartwarming to get the feedback. I get messages and emails um, from people that have the book and are working through it. And it just warms my heart to know that people out there that I, I don't even know are following along my journey and actually really activating their own inner healing. So then once the book came out, I thought, well, what if people want to um, journey with the book even more deeply? So I created the online support program for that. So you go through each of the 12 chapters in greater detail. There's some live support. There's all sorts of online resources. Um, so yeah, it's a beautiful journey for for a woman when she's ready, when she is ready to lean in and heal heal herself fully from cancer. Yeah, so wonderful. I, I know um, you put your heart and soul into this book. I've seen your book, and it's you know hard copy. It's beautiful. The artwork is gorgeous, but it's just a powerful tool for deep self reflection which is what yes. is needed you know for all of us <laughs> anyway but this is a tool yes. that helps the women and i would imagine it's a tool for anyone who's dealing with a chronic illness to be honest same process right absolutely a girlfriend said to me after she read it she hasn't had cancer but she read the book and she said cindy you've got the whole um monopoly here and I said what do you mean and she said you could write a book around every adversity women face you know like a divorce or um, losing a job or you know any upheaval that we go through and I was half tempted to because I have experienced (laughs) many upheavals in my life I was like yeah I could write that book and that book and that book so absolutely spot on I mean really just um, change change the uh, the adversity that you face, but it is such a beautiful book to, to move through any adversity, any upheaval um, that we go through in life. You know, that is part of the life's journey, unfortunately. Um, we do need the suffering in order to, to have joy. You know, it's like as, win- you know, what was the, uh, the quote? Um, After winter, spring comes. You know, I think we, we need the darkness to, to appreciate the light. Well... Until you get to the other side, (laughs) you rarely appreciate the journey. That's part of the human condition as well. We fight it. We resist it. We swear at it. We feel victimized by it. (laughs) It is a gift we are giving to ourselves if we use the, the, you know, the, this this unforeseen circumstance that has appeared as a vehicle for healing and transformation. The body can heal itself with anything, and I have witnessed that with friends who've had, you know, chronic illnesses. You know, no way they were going to survive. No way they were ever going to come back from from the other side. I've seen it all. So I know that miracles abound in our body's ability to heal, but it's always accompanied by a profound flash of realization, recognition of, uh, you know, that aha moment that something shifts energetically and then allows the healing process. 
to occur. I agree. That's so beautifully. You know, I mean, maybe it's a lot of uh (laughs) ahas that contribute. It may not be a major one. It may be a series of events, but something shifts, right? There's something that is different in how this, this situation that you're dealing with is approached. I agree. And I think, too, having having conviction, having a belief that you are going to heal is a big part of the process. So, you know, some people just kind of give up and go, well, I'm ready to die. But that was, that was not me. I was like, I'm going to throw everything at this. I am determined, you know, I am a survivor and I'm going to, I'm going to do what it takes. So that, that was, you know, there was no question in my mind. It was like, I had that mindset right from the beginning that I will beat this. I am, I am going to survive and I'm going to thrive from this. So I went into it very much um, with confidence that I was going to do what I could to get to the other side. Don't you think, knowingly, you know, from the perspective now that you're on the other side, when you when you talk about this journey, when when I hear you talking about the journey, let me just say, it, instead of you know, as you've said several times, throwing everything at it, it's really throwing everything at you. Not at you, you, yes. you to change, you to transform, not it, this, this thing that we think is separate from us, right? I, I, you know, I just, yes. I, just, I just think that it's so important when we are on these journeys to um, realize that it's not something doing it to us. We've created it. We have created it, and it's our journey and it's our healing, and the body will will respond as we remove the stressors, conscious and unconscious stressors, that have been so persistent that the body could no longer operate in the way it was designed to do. And then, you know, we experience these symptoms. I think spot on, really good pickup, Cheryl, because I think when we make cancer something separate to us, that's where we get into that mindset of we need to conquer it, crush it, kill it, whatever. If we actually own it, that it's part of us, that we have in some way created it and that we need to actually give love to that part of ourselves, that wound that sits at the core of why it has shown up. So I I do really like what you're saying. It's not it. It's actually us. (laughs) <laughs> right. And, and and once you choose to say, this is a gift, I don't understand it, I don't like it, I don't want it, but I will be open to the possibility <laughs> that this is a gift that is coming yeah. to me, me, then there's a certain uh, magic that happens in one's life in, in the sense that people show up, information shows up. Uh, things we didn't even know existed that could be beneficial to us on some level start appearing. And it becomes this journey that now we're walking the road that's unfolding before us that we didn't even know was there until we put our foot down. Does that make sense to you? 
thyroid. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I, I must say I attracted so many incredible people in my life going through the second time. I, it was like I just magically had all these great support people that helped me to grow on all levels. Um, so I would say, yes, the more more open you are to seeing the gift in in the process and being open to the possibilities of learning and growth, teachers show up, mentors, guides, angels. You know, I think all sorts of amazing people showed up on my journey. And you really do learn who who your true supporters are when you're going through something so hellish. <laughs> yeah. And 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 without it, Cindy, you wouldn't be the person you are now, living the the way you're living with, within yourself and with all that you're creating in your life. I totally agree. I am so much better for having had cancer. I think I'm a better person and I'm living my life in a much more purposeful, meaningful way. Um, I'm very selective about the activities that I do and the people that I have around me, what I put in my body, how I live my life, the work that I do. I mean, everything I have considered in much more great, greater detail about what is important to me, what do I value, how do I want to live my best life, um, all of that um, has really come to the fore of my mind. And that's why the title of the show, How Breast Cancer Saved My Life, is truly a profound statement, truly a profound statement. And um, mm. this journey that you've been on has given you the, um, the, the connection to the real power and the real strength within you. And therefore, you're living your life with much greater grace and joy and love and fulfillment than you were before all this showed up. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Very great conversation, Cindy. Thanks so much for your openness and sharing the profound journey that you've been on that has led you to put this beautiful healing journal together, the gift of cancer, healing journal, the gift of cancer. By the way, where can people purchase your journal? Yep. They can go to my website, which is Evolving Women. So um, that's um, that's a great it's a great website evolvingwomen.co.co means Canada, <laughs> right? Co is Canada. No, not dot ca dot co. Oh, what co? What is co? Co is actually I think it's Columbia, but I just liked it because it sounded like company, so um, it's just dot co. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. So uh, I'm glad you cleared that up. So it's evolvingwomen.co. And check out Cindy's website. um, Get her journal. Find out more about her programs if you are dealing with a chronic illness of any sort. And and just know, for all of you listening, that there are miracles abounding in terms of the healing journey, but you have to really understand that this is a gift that your soul is giving you so you can transform, awaken, become the butterfly, (laughs) the caterpillar kind of 
dissolves into motion, something new emerges, <laughs> more powerful than before. Absolutely. So do you have a last sure. word? Do you have a last word, Cindy? We just got at the end. Do you have a closing remark you'd like to share? Yeah, a friend said to me the other day, imagine in your mind's eyes that you are already healed. And I thought that was so powerful to think, like, rather than think that your healing is ahead of you, imagine that you are already healed now. So for any of your listeners who are journeying with cancer right now um, or facing any adversity, imagine that you're already on the other side of it and that you've already healed. The more that you can, you know, bring that to your mind's eye, the more that you can make manifest, you can actually embody that and have that already. So I thought that was such a beautiful way to look at healing. You are already healed. Well, that's so powerful to actually hold the intention of the future you want, whole and healed Mm -hmm. and happy. So, Cindy, thanks again for being on the show, for your openness and sharing the journey with us. And, again, people want to learn more about Cindy Scott's work, go to evolvingwomen.co and uh, learn what Cindy is doing there and um, in her support of everyone. So thanks again for being with us, Cindy. It's a pleasure and so glad to know you and hear how you are truly thriving and on purpose, in service to others. Thank you for this opportunity, Dr. Cheryl. And I must say, I am better for having this conversation with you today as well. So thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate you and and the work you're doing. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Cindy. And to all of you listening, thank you again for joining in. Hope there are some pearls of wisdom that uh, were there for you as well. And until next week, I uh, always want to remind you to honor the wisdom of the feminine self, especially with this month, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. The wisdom of our feminine self is really the wisdom that facilitates healing and knowledge and transformation. So to all of you, have a great week and uh, look forward to having you back again on the next show. Bye for now.